You're listening to All Aboard, presented by Coors Light. Live from the Lodge Sasquatch Kitchen in Tempe with Sun Devil head football coach Herm Edwards. Now alongside Coach Edwards, the voice of the Sun Devils, Tim Healy. You might say that the Arizona State Sun Devils are done with the preliminaries. And for them, it's now on to the main event. This coming Saturday night in Seattle, the Sun Devils open the Pac-12 conference portion of their 2018 football schedule as they take on the 12th-ranked and preseason conference favorite Washington Huskies in a game that will be played in one of college football's most picturesque settings, Husky Stadium on the shores of Lake Washington in Seattle. Join us over the next hour while we preview the ASU-Washington game and look back at last week's contest at San Diego State as we welcome you all aboard with Herm Edwards presented by Coors Light. For the world's most refreshing beer, 21 means 21. Celebrate responsibly with Coors Light. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Good evening, everybody. I'm Tim Healy, the radio play-by-play voice of the Sun Devil football. And with me, first-year ASU head coach Herm Edwards. And Herm and I will visit you every Thursday night during the 2018 college football season to bring you all the latest developments from Sun Devil football and our new home for the Coaches Show. And what a home it has been, the Lodge Sasquatch Kitchen located on First and Farmer near downtown Tempe. Consider this your personal invitation from me to come on down and join us. Great food, great drinks, got football, baseball, all kinds of stuff on the tube, and great Sun Devil football conversation for the next hour. Seeing how this is a football coaches show, our program, like a football game, is formatted in quarters. So now, on to the first quarter of this evening's show. Welcome to All Aboard, presented by Coors Light, first quarter. And without further ado, let me bring in head coach Herm Edwards of the Arizona State Sun Devils. Herm, always great to visit with you. It's uh, it's now down to the nitty-gritty Pac-12 conference play starting this week. And, boy, I don't think the schedule maker could have uh, dug up a tougher challenge for your guys than on the road in Huskyville against those Washington Huskies. Yeah, it's a unique stadium. Uh, they have a tremendous fan base, similar to our fan base. Uh, I, I Last week I was very impressed uh, with our fan base. Uh, a lot of the folks traveled down to San Diego State and uh, were, were in the stadium. And it was, it was fun to watch them get excited and, and really root us on, especially in the fourth quarter when we were trying to make a comeback. We, we got behind in a football game. And uh, you know when, what happens when you go on the road, it, it's tough to win road games. And we've got to improve uh, our record on the road. We also got to improve our record in the Pac-12. And this is a big, a big game for us going on the road against a team like Washington. What are some of your theories in terms of what a good team, to win on the road, what does a team have to do? What kind of mentality does it have to take? Well, on? I think a couple of things. You have to pack in your suitcase. Um, you have to have uh, a good defense, and you have to be able to run the football. Uh, that's what travels well. It travels well at any level of football. When you can go on the road with a good defense to keep score down, that makes the fans silent. And when you can run the football, um, that gives you a chance to win on the road. And I think most teams that, that have success on the road, I know all the teams I've coached had those elements in place. Washington, like ASU, 2-1 and one on the year. The Huskies lost a tough opening game in Atlanta against Auburn, 21-16, but they have rebounded with wins the last two weeks, including their Pac-12 opener last Saturday. They beat Utah in Salt Lake City. 21 to 7 coach what excites you most about this matchup and what impresses you most about the huskies well the huskies obviously um the thing that you you notice right away um they're a team that really plays together in other words 
Uh, offense helps the defense, and the defense helps the offense. Uh, they're a team offensively. Uh, they like to run the ball, but the vertical passing game is part of their arsenal when they want to throw the ball down the field. They have some gifted receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a veteran quarterback. Defensively now, uh, their strength is in their secondary. They do a nice job of, of not allowing points. Uh, when they're averaging about giving up 10 points a game, they're scoring 29, you're probably going to win a lot of games doing that. And, and so this thing has been built. Coach Peterson has built this team uh, to, to his liking, uh, similar to the teams that he had at Boise State. Uh, they were always going to be uh, one of those type of teams that always played good defense, and they have they have a bunch of good defensive players. I'm with you. Everyone, I think, thinks of Washington being stout up front defensively, and they are. But honestly, I don't know if there's a team in America that has the depth the Huskies have in the secondary. I think they've got some real talent, including a kid from Scottsdale Saguaro High School, Byron Murphy. Yes, and, and they've done a nice job of recruiting. But like anything else, the program has been built over time. And um, the coach point. has done a marvelous job of understanding what it takes to win in his conference in the Pac-12. Uh, and, and then I think, you know, going forward, uh, these are the things that we're, we're continuing to, to work on and, and try to build as well. So. This is a fun nine games for us. It, it really is because it tells a lot about us as a football team, where we're headed and where we're trying to go. Um, I like this. I, I like Pac-12 competition. This stadium is, is kind of unique for me. Um, I can remember when I walked in there. Uh, played, a, played at Cal against at Cal Washington, right? At Washington, and the quarterback was Sunny Six Killer. Wow. <laughs> I opened wow. up the magazine. This is guy Sonny Cisco. He got the best name in football, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I've traveled in that place. And he's uh, a now, husky legend. Yeah, too, he yeah. is. Really is. And was a great player for him. And uh, now they've they've uh, had had some construction on the stadiums. It's more tight now mm-hmm. than it was. They had a track around there back in the day. Yeah. And they've taken that out. But it's a nice venue to play a football game in. Oh, and right on the lake, people. Uh, I don't know what the the aqua version of tailgate is, boat gate or whatever. But the yeah. fans. Uh, they love to uh, have parties on their boats, which they can moor right uh, just past yes. the end zone there yeah. at Husky Stadium. We'll look deeper into the ASU-Washington game later in the show. As you look back to last week's game at San Diego State, it was kind of strange, Herman, that you know anyone who saw the game saw the fact that the Aztecs were able to dominate the line of scrimmage in the second half on yes. both sides of the ball, and yet... There was your team at the end, a touchdown away, and we thought for a few precious seconds just maybe a yard away from a possible tying touchdown. What were your main takeaways from last Well, that, that, that we had some grit and we came back in the fourth quarter. And you got to give San Diego State a lot of credit. And here's a, here's a team, too, as, as, as well as the, the Michigan State team that has built a program. I mean, we said that going into the, to that week plan, those guys, Rocky Long, this team's averaging 10 wins a game. And mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't have to apologize for who they are. Uh, they can play anybody. And what they do, they do a nice job of controlling the clock. We knew going into this thing, if it was tight, that's the game they want to play. We needed to get some points on the board and really expand it. Not field goals. You can't kick field goals against San Diego. So you got to score touchdowns. Right. Because now you get them out of their comfort zone where they won't have to throw the football. They did not want to do that. Mm-hmm. But we, we continued to not score points. And then, obviously, the game came down to the fourth quarter, and I thought our guys rallied. Uh, getting the ball back to give us a chance to, to either tie it. That would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. What would you have done, Tim I, I think I know what Herm Edwards would <laughs> yeah, have done. Yeah, you better believe you know and, what I would have done. And I am not going to tell anybody because I think everybody knows what Herm Edwards yeah, would have yeah, done. We're, sure. we're not going to play safe. Yes, indeed. Okay, let's, let's make that perfectly clear. This is not a safe program. We are going to try to win every opportunity we have because I think that's how you build your program. And, Coach, isn't that, as you look back to that decision to go for it on the fourth down late first half, same deal, isn't it? Well, and you know what's funny? They converted two fourth downs, a fourth and one and a fourth and two, and guess what it provided them? Ten points. Mm -hmm. You have to make it. 
that's that's the way it is. You can't make any excuse and say, well, you know, no, we're not going to. No, you don't play scared. We're not going to do that. When our best interest at that point in time, uh, my mindset was really clear. We had two timeouts. We make the first down. We're going to milk that clock down to 146. We'll have a decision to make again. If we get into fourth and long, then we'll kick a field goal. But if not, we're going to score. Now we're going up another touchdown. In the third quarter, we get the ball. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't make it, you're relying on your defense to say they can't go 90 yards on us. Well, they did. And good for them. I mean, they made the plays they needed to make. So, no, I don't second-guess myself. When you make a decision, you make it. Uh, We knew we were going for it. It just didn't turn out. And as J.J. Wilson told me yesterday after practice, uh, the defense at some point has to get the offenses back in that situation. And – and, you know, he, he, you know, owned up for it in that regard. Too. Well, you know, most teams in college football, even pro football, it's hard to go 90 yards. <laughs> Period. It's, it's just hard. Yeah. I mean, so if you leave them there, you figure if we stop them, I got two timeouts left. We're going to get the ball back. If we hold them there, they're going to punt it to us. And we're going to have another opportunity to maybe kick a field goal before the half. So yeah. it just didn't work out. And good for San Diego State. They played better than us in, in stretches where they needed to play good. And at the end, I like the fight of our football team. And, and they're always going to fight. That's one thing I'll give these, these guys a lot of credit for. In my opinion, some of the fight of the football team was shown on the remarkable play, I think, that Frank Darby made. Uh, Did he make? You know, you, you can say debate whether it was a catch or not, but what you can't debate is the courage the kid showed in that particular moment. What was your perspective on the play and your thoughts post-play? Well, f- first of all, if you know, you, you watch the play as it occurs and you see Frank go up against two defenders and make the catch. Mm-hmm. And what you don't see is Manny getting hit right in the face. Manny's hit on that play. Yeah. He's hit very hard. You know, he's holding that ball for a long time knowing he's got to get it down the field. And eventually they got to him and then hit him. I mean, they hit him as he was throwing it. And he didn't flinch. He just, to throw a ball that far, you cannot flinch. you got to step into your throw. He, he stepped into it. He got hit in the face. He throws the ball. Frank obviously gets hit, and the ball comes out. And, and I think going forward, um, a play like that, because it is uh, targeting, I think the, the, the rule, the intentions of the rule is good, but that rule is one I think they're going to have to look at because that's one of those things where that should be a spot foul. Absolutely. It really should. Now, look, I'm not trying to change the rules, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to discuss that that thing should be a spot foul because it's almost the intentions of the rule allows you to hit a guy like that. Absolutely. You get the penalty, but here again, mm-hmm. it goes back to the line of scrimmage, and that's that's uh, that's a little different. Now. Absolutely. And let me interject this thought. The uh, chairman of the NCAA Competition Committee is none other than Arizona State Athletic Director Ray Anderson. And Ray has said that uh, he thinks that this will definitely be revisited. And he he agrees with you. I think that changing it to a spot foul is perhaps the most likely redress of uh, this yeah. particular situation. I agree. Uh, and, look, we needed to play better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it came down to that one play. But here again, we needed to play better and, and give San Diego State credit. Um, they beat us. And what I think long-term may be one of the biggest news stories is I think you found yourself a number three wide receiver coach behind uh, Nikhil Harry and uh, Kyle Williams. Frank Darby, before that catch, five receptions, 127 yards. And the thing about Frank, and you watch him, uh, even in practice, he probably does the best job of catching a long ball. He just has a knack. I mean, he almost had one against Michigan State, and the guy made a great play down the boundary on him. I mean, you remember the let's, – let's, deja vu. It's fourth and one, first game of the season, right? Right. And we go for it, 
and we throw Frank a fade, and he catches it. That's right. <laughs> fourth and one. Here we go. Here we go back to fourth and one, right? <laughs> a, phenomenal, a phenomenal throw yeah. by the quarterback. Yeah, exactly right. And a great catch by it's the by wide Frank. receiver. Mm-hmm. And, boy, he's a, he, I, I love the kid. He's gregarious, oh. outgoing. He, he's got all kinds of nicknames already. He's got Jersey Frank because he's from uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. Yes. And you were born in New Jersey, well, yeah, so you and, have and, that and, Jersey And, and Frank knows that. You know, he says, Coach, these people don't know you. You're, born, you're a Jersey guy. And I say, you're right. <laughs> so I call him Big Play Frank now. Okay. That's his name, Big Play Frank. Coach Graham used to call him Deep Threat, which he has yeah, become, he right? Yes, big, big time. I yeah, mean, uh, just, you know, another guy I wanted to bring up uh, defensively, Jalen Harvey was, yeah. was a wide receiver the last three years, makes the unusual switch for his final year from offense to defense. Oh, by the way, Jalen Harvey is the number eight tackler in the Pac-12 this week, and last week had 13 tackles, 12 of them solos against San Diego State. And, and, and that's credit to him. Uh, when, I, when I first arrived here, um, you know, he, he walks in my office. He says, Coach, I, I, I want to play defense. I said, Really? And he said, Yeah, so Coach. So he, he came to you, huh? He said, Coach, I wow. want to play defense. And I said, Okay, well, you're going to be allowed to play defense, and I'm glad he's over there. And it's still working and making with him. You know, he hasn't mm-hmm. played a lot of defense. He's a wide receiver. He led the country on third down receptions uh, last year. Yeah. And he goes over to the defense, and uh, he's work in progress, but I think every time he plays, he's learning and had a tremendous game for us. I mean, look, the Michigan State, I pointed it out, the play he makes to save the tackle before the interception, I mean, you know, he's coming through the A-gap on a blitz, and he re- redirects himself and makes the play, and doesn't, the guy doesn't get in the end zone and get the interception in the next play. So um, he, he's doing a nice job for us. Now you got J.J. Wilson back in the lineup, Karan Crump as well, and I know you're looking for uh, uh, big things from those two fellas. I thought J.J. played pretty well last week, six tackles, a forced fumble, and a pass defense. He did, and, um, you know, he's one of the leaders over there. There's no doubt it. He has a presence about himself, and, and I think the defense, they know going up to Washington, uh, they're going to have to play one of their better games Yeah, uh, because it's hard sledding against that defense at Washington. Uh, the numbers are the numbers. I mean, they're averaging about ten points a game, so – uh, this can't be a high-scoring affair. We can't let this thing get away from us. We're going to have to play good defense. Let me just interject this little note. It's kind of ironic, but in the last game the Sun Devils played at Washington, J.J. Uh, JJ had his best game as an offensive player. He caught two touchdowns. In fact, he caught both Arizona State touchdowns as a tight end in that game. Herm, from what you've seen of your kids this week at practice, what do you sense to be their mentality, their mindset, coming off that loss last week? and getting ready for this big game Saturday in Seattle? I think they're dialed in. I, I really believe that. And um, we've got some veteran leadership here that, that, that helps them do that. Um, these guys know that uh, this, is a, this is a tough football team, and, and they beat them last year here at home. Uh, going on the roads, it, it's, it's a whole different story in a different venue. Uh, you know, they, they realize these guys are the 10th-ranked team in the country, and, and they're a good football team. And it's a, it's a good test for us. But I got, our guys practice really well this week. Um, they're up to the task, and uh, it's going to be fun when we walk in that place. I can't wait to get there. I can't wait either. I used to live in Seattle for a year and a half in the late 1980s. Uh, one of my uh, friends who's a Sun Devil fan has never been there. I told her, trust me, you'll like the city. But maybe a little damp on <laughs> yeah, Saturday. <laughs> hey, folks, we are just getting started with tonight's edition of All Aboard with Herm Edwards. ASU running backs coach John Simon will be joining us a bit later on. And up next, you'll meet one of Coach Simon's prized pupils as ASU sophomore running back Eno Benjamin is center stage and will pay us a visit. You're listening to All Aboard, presented by Coors Light, live from the Lodge Sasquatch Kitchen in Tempe. Now, this time out on the Sun Devil Radio Network, presented by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. Let's start the second quarter of All Aboard. 
presented by Coors Light. On game day, leave the driving to Lyft, proud partner of Sun Devil Athletics. Download the app and enter the code Sun Devils for $5 off your first four rides. I can say from firsthand, we did a little lifting last weekend in San Diego down to the Hotel Del Coronado for a wonderful uh, ASU fan uh, reception down there. And uh, leave the driving to lift. That is the way to go. Welcome back to All Aboard with Herm Edwards, presented by Coors Light. I'm Tim Healy, the radio voice of Sun Devil Football and your host for tonight's show. And it's time now to welcome in our player guest this evening. Notice I said guest as in one. We usually have two but tonight, this gentleman is honored to be the first ever solo guest in the history of All Aboard with Herm Edwards. When ASU football wants to run the ball, this year it's all about the Benjamin. A sophomore at Arizona State, he is the Sun Devils' leading rusher this season. Two years ago, as a high school senior at Wiley East High School in Wiley, Texas, a town that's about 20 minutes uh, northeast of Dallas, he was the Texas 5A Offensive Player of the Year rushing for over 2,600 yards and 32 touchdowns. His three-year high school career numbers, over 7,500 rushing yards and 111 touchdowns scored. Please welcome to the show Sun Devil running back Eno Benjamin. Eno, great to see you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for good com- to be here. Thanks for coming on tonight. For some folks here at the restaurant or listening on the radio who have never been exposed to Texas high school football, Share with us some reflection on what it's like to play in high school ball in a state where high school football is an absolute passion. I know because I lived there and covered high school football in Texas for four years. Um, It's an amazing feeling. Um, Just being out there, um, you feel like football is a religion. And so going out there every Friday night under those lights makes it seem like it's it's a big deal and you really live for the stuff like that. Some of the stadiums, I, I know I, I've seen pictures of Allen High School State. Some of the high school stadiums could pass as college stadiums. Yeah, they? for sure. And that just shows you the dedication that and, and the state of Texas of uh, how football and the outlook of football in that, uh, that state. Did you ever watch the show Friday Night Lights? I, I did. I have. Yes, sir. How, how how true to reality is it in depicting what it's like? I would say it's it's pretty accurate as far as everything that's being sh- uh, displayed in that, uh, that show. No kidding. That's awesome. Now, I'm wondering, how did playing high school football in Texas prepare you for playing college football, not only on the field, but stuff you deal with off the field, too? I would say it prefer, uh, prepared me uh, quite well, just... Me never being necessarily a, a big guy and going against some big linemen and uh, defensive tackles and in Texas um, has prepared me, just giving me that toughness um, and not being afraid of contact. Indeed. Now, entering this year, Eno was uh, tasked with the responsibility of replacing a terrific four-year running back tandem at Arizona State. Demario Richard was the number four ground gainer in Sun Devil football history, over 3,200 yards in his career. And Kalen Balaj, we all remember what he did, the eight-touchdown game against Texas Tech a couple of years ago, now in the National Football League with the Miami Dolphins. So, Eno, my question is, what kind of mindset did you bring into this season knowing that you'd be asked to fill the shoes of two pretty doggone good football players? I would say just honestly being the best I could be um, in every aspect of the game on and off the field um, and just going out there and uh, giving my teammates all that I got and making sure we win. What did you learn from those two guys in particular? I would say the number one thing I've learned from those guys was patience 
Um, everything's not going to be everything's not going to be clean and perfect in the beginning. Uh, but you got to stay the course and just keep riding the wave. Uh, your teammates and the coaches are going to support you, and that's that's all that matters. And everything will fall into its place. Did your workload or your off-season regimen, I should say, uh, change at all this past year, knowing that you would be carrying a much heavier workload in the fall? Not much, um, just because that's that's, all, that's always been the, the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came in, I knew exactly where I would be on the depth chart, but I was still working to beat the starting running back that was here last year. And so that was, that's always been my mindset um, during the offseason. And so um, even though uh, things had played out the way it was, I was still working like I was behind someone this, this offseason. And you got some valuable experience last year. Talk how that benefited you. I, I remember in particular, I think you had one of the best touchdown runs of the year, your run against Colorado that put the Sun Devils ahead and a come-from-behind win in November on that day when we honored the Armed Forces with those killer uh, camouflage uniforms. Yeah, um, I would say... Um, just being, just being used how it was used uh, last year played, uh, paid dividends for me um, this season. Uh, being there, getting my feet wet on the grass, um, so it kind of gave me that confidence. Of not necessarily like getting used to the speed. I think I've, I've got accustomed to the speed, and so um, I think last year really helped me a lot. Yep, I think, and that's been the case. And you look at this year, your first game, 130 yards, over 130 yards rushing against UTSA. Now, the yards have been tough to come by in the ground game for everybody the last two weeks, but you've gone against two really good run defenses. What would be, you know, your three-game assessment of the state of your rushing attack right now? I would say it was pretty good first game. Um, and now I think we've got some moving pieces with the offensive line, and um, we just got to build that chemistry. And I, I think this week we had a really great week of practice um, as far as running the ball. Our scout team gave a great look, which should help us and benefit us. And so I'm ready to see, and I'm ready to go. As you indicated, offensive line coach Dave Christensen has been moving some of the pieces in that offensive line. He's trying to get the five best guys in the right positions. How do you like running behind that line? There's a lot of experience in that group, isn't there? A lot of experience. And so that was one of the reasons why I also came to ASU. Um, Knew we had some young offensive linemen. And so by the time my time was ready, they would be mature enough and they would understand and they would have experience in uh, a lot of games under their belt. Now, one of the developments early in this season, uh, if the trivia question was, who is Arizona State's second-leading pass receiver in 2018? The answer is sitting right next to me, Eno Benjamin, 15 receptions out of the backfield. Was that always a big part of your game in high school? Talk about your emergence in these first uh, three weeks as a pass-catching threat. Um, I would never say uh, that was one of those things in high school. I think I'd always had the ability to catch. Um, I never got to really showcase it in high school. Um, I think uh, I'd go out to camps, and I was able to put on put on shows at camp, 7-on-7. Seven mm-hmm. seven. I played 7-on-7, seven seven, and so um, I think I was always confident in my ability to catch the ball. Um, and I think Coach Herm Edwards, uh, he made it a, a, a big deal that we got to get the ball to the back this year. And so um, everything that I've been, uh, been able to do, um, I think it's been able to been shown mm-hmm. is being able to be shown and any way you can get the ball to a back like yourself in space is huge isn't it uh, yes sir um and in practice uh coach coach simon harps on it all the time um being a, being able to make a guy miss an open space and so that's that's one thing that hey if i even in practice if i break a 20 yard run i'd still get a minus because i didn't i didn't <laughs> set up this open field drill correctly or stuff like that and so yeah. um I, I feel like um that will help me in the long run now last week eno caught seven passes uh, second most on the team Nikhil harry had a nine reception game against san diego state and the week before you may have had one of the biggest plays in the game you caught a 25 yard swing pass on third down to start that final 
drive against Michigan State. That that final drive, that was something to be a part of, wasn't it, the way it was so executed so well? Yes, sir. Um, I think that whole game, we, we just knew we were one big play away from uh, making everything just start to flow. And uh, Nikhil Harry made that, that big grab in the end zone. And uh, from there, we knew that we had we, we had it. We had it. Just just right there, we knew we had it. Because uh, I think our quarterback, we, we missed uh, – uh, fired some balls. We overthrew some balls. And right. so um, everyone was calm on the sideline. We just knew we needed one big play. And so um, when that last series came, I think the series from before helped us out um, just being calm and just going out there and score or and, getting that field goal. And you also played a role, I understand, right before uh, your teammate Brandon Reese went out there to kick the game-winning field goal. What would you say to him? You had some words of wisdom for him, didn't you? Yeah, I just told you, you know, no matter make or miss, we've we got your back. We, we still love you. And so um, I think even if the game went into overtime, We'd still, we'll still come out on top. And so um, I knew Brandon for quite some time now, and so um, I think we have a pretty good uh, relationship. Um, it started before we even got to ASU together, and so that's, awesome. um, that, that's a guy that I, I respect a lot. You know Benjamin is Dr. Phil, ladies and gentlemen, giving advice to his teammates. That's pretty doggone awesome. You told me something in an interview a couple of weeks ago. You made a comment that just perked my ears up when you said that you think that running back, the position of running back, has almost become like a lost art in football and i think i know where you're going at but maybe you could elaborate what your thoughts are in that regard just i would say people now coaches nowadays don't usually have experience in running back or being or in that that field of area the area field and so um it's something hard that you really can't coach unless you've done it before is what i is what i'm thinking of what i say and so um Having a guy like Coach Simon who's, who's been to the NFL and done that, and it makes everything he says easier without necessarily questioning it or not, or just making it being able to be put in perspective better um, as opposed to someone who hasn't been there and hasn't done it and doesn't necessarily know how this is going to play out if you do it this way right. or, or if you do it this way is what I meant by that. I see. And Coach Simon uh, will be our guest in the next segment, and uh, what a terrific mentor he has been for you. What one way I sort of took it, and I don't know what your thoughts on this, I get the sense that a lot of personnel people in the National Football League seem to have this mindset anymore that, uh, you know, we can get a we can get, running backs are a dime a dozen. We can get one in the third or fourth round. We're going to use our early draft picks on these other positions like that left tackle or getting a safety or getting a quarterback. And, and I, think, I think you can't put a high enough price on a really, really talented running back, can you? Yeah, and so you've seen uh, – uh, Saquon Barkley was taken number one because mm-hmm. he, he he's a guy that's every down uh, every down back and so um like I, the way that you're saying it, it I think that's true as well yeah um, you got to you got to be able to have a guy um and so um you, you run the ball just like a few years back uh the Seahawks didn't run the ball on the one yard line um and so and they didn't win a Super they, Bowl they as a, a result Bowl, exactly so um you think. Running backs, I think running backs is a lost art. And look at a guy like Adrian Peterson, who's reviving his career with the Washington Redskins this year after 10 years being one of the greatest backs in NFL history, and he can still go into a new team and kill it, can he? Yeah, yes, sir, for sure. Absolutely. He's my favorite running back. And he's a Texas guy, too. Texas guy, yes, sir. You bet you're right. What was your viewpoint on the Frank Darby play, you know? What what did you see, and uh, where were you at that moment? I wasn't necessarily worried if Frank was going to come down with it or not, just because... 
in practice, he makes those plays all the time. And it's something that even after practice, Manny, Nikhil, and all those receivers stay after practice and get that extra work in. And so as soon as the ball went up, I knew Frank was going to get it. Um, I think last year we called Frank Deep Ball Darby. And so, <laughs> another nickname. Exactly. So, another nickname. So I knew, he, I knew that man, right, right when Manning released the ball, I knew and I trusted that Frank would come down with it. And it is what it is. Um, if yeah. it, I think if we were here, we'd get that as a standing call. Um, <laughs> and I think it's, it's quite weird how you have the targeting and you, you review that and you notice something else. Yeah, and, and so yeah. It, it, that we would never be talking about that if there was no target on the play. So indeed, indeed. But uh, I do think targeting as a spot foul is now going to become uh, the change in that rule as we uh, move forward. Before we let you go, give me some thoughts. What are going to be some keys to getting a win in Seattle on Saturday? You know, running the football. That'd be that'd be our number one key. My number one key. Um, and I think that that's something we'll be able to do this week for sure, um, just because, like I said, the way we practice, the, the looks we got from the scout team, um, I think just being able to be calm. I think we, we did a great job of just being calm this week in practice. Um, we were in the bubble today. I think I thought things were sharp. Um, I think we had two drop balls today yeah. um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the our practice. So um, I think just being, being calm, uh, running the football, and the defense um, – JJ, I think you said JJ thought that they didn't have our backs, and mm-hmm. I feel like we didn't have their backs. There you go. Um, we weren't on the field. We, I think we went four possessions um, in a row of three and out. And so, in the second half, in for the second sure. second half. So I think yep. offense has to do a better job of staying on the field to help out our defense, let them rest. And so um, I think we'll get that done this week. That's a great point. And uh, if the Devils are running the ball, number three is going to be a big reason why. Thanks for coming on, bud. Appreciate yeah, no it. Thanks, Eno Benjamin, Sun Devil running back. Our guest on All Aboard with Herm Edwards. For the world's most refreshing beer, 21 means 21. Celebrate responsibly with Coors Light, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Up next, we'll visit with Eno's ASU position coach, his Sun Devil running backs coach, and associate head coach, John Simon, will join us. You're listening to All Aboard with Herm Edwards, presented by Coors Light, live from the Lodge in Tempe. Now this time out on the Sun Devil Radio Network. This is All Aboard, presented by Coors Light third quarter well you know and i know that a college football team needs a quality night's rest the evening before the big game and that's exactly what the sun devils get at the hilton scottsdale where the team stays before all home games once again in 2018 we welcome you back to the all aboard show coming your way tonight from the lodge sasquatch kitchen on first and farmer in tempe my name is tim healy and I'm pleased now to welcome to the show one of the five holdovers on Coach Herm Edwards' first Arizona State football staff. In his third year as the Sun Devils running backs coach and associate head coach, a one-time NFL back himself for the Tennessee Titans and the Washington Redskins. It's always great to have Coach John Simon on the show. John, great to see you. Great to be here. And John was just uh, doing the math, and he figures that we do a, an assistant coach spotlight on every pregame show on the radio and he has got an undefeated record, we think, when he is the uh, spotlighted coach. We did we aired your feature before the Michigan State game. Enough said, right? That that worked out pretty well, didn't it? I think I'm going to retire. Huh? Either that or get your own show. <laughs> right. huh? I'm sure. going to go uh, play an A. All right, there you go. Hey, in the midst of uh, this past uh, offseason's coaching change, how important was it for the continuity that Coach Edwards was able to achieve with his new staff? You're one of five members of his current coaching staff who were in the program a year ago. 
Uh, if you just look at the start that we've had, it's uh, really a testament to the staff that he's put together. And it was really his vision, his plan. And when I met with him, he shared with me, he said he believes that you have to keep some guys over to uh, be a bridge with the, for the guys in the locker room. And his decision to do that was for the players. He said that he understood that transition is tough. And when you have familiar faces and quality guys on the staff, you want to try to keep as many of those guys as possible. So uh, you look at the guys, the staff that he put together and the guys that he brought in, there's a lot of familiarity um, with those guys on the staff. You're talking about the defensive coordinator from San Diego State, but he also bought, brought the DB's coach with him. You're talking about the linebacker coach, which me and AP play ball together with the Redskins. So, you know, we were able to jail very quickly as a staff. Absolutely. How would you size up the work of your running backs through the first three games, John? Uh, you know, they're, they're doing what they're, what's been asked of them. You know, that's our vision. That's our plan in that room. Whatever the team needs, we want to be that for the team. You know, I know you pointed out last week that Eno had a big part as a receiver, you know, uh, however we can help the team. If it's blocking, if it's running, uh, we're willing to do that. So he has to be able to catch the ball. we got to be able to catch the ball. we got to be able to block. we got to be able to run the ball when the opportunity presents itself. Boy, what a threat he is in the passing game. Fifteen catches, seven of them last week at San Diego State, and maybe the biggest play of the Michigan State game with that 25-yard reception on third down to start that last drive. Without a question, that's one of the things we emphasize. Uh, most of the guys that we sign, they're dynamic with the ball in their hand as a runner. But we have to develop him as a pass catcher and as a protector of the quarterback. And he's done a good job of preparing and improving in both of those areas. Let's talk about some of the other running backs that you have. Uh, we'll start with a young man that I think is poised to get some carries this week, Traylon Smith in his second year in the program and mm-hmm. uh, hasn't seen action to date, but uh, a, a kid I know you're high on. Yeah, we're excited about Traylon Smith, his growth. Um, obviously, he hadn't been able to get on the field up to this point, but we're excited that he's going to have an opportunity to showcase um, his skills, his ability, and the fans will have an opportunity to see why we are so excited about Trey Lance Smith. Isaiah Floyd, the junior college transfer out of the City College of San Francisco, mm-hmm. he's averaging over six yards a carry so far in the first uh, three ball games. Boy, he's been able, how's the guy 5'7", 170 pounds, able to make it as a big-time uh, back at the, the Pac-12 level? Because Isaiah Floyd does not know that he's five six, one hundred and seventy pounds. That's, he thinks he's what about? He six thinks feet? he's six four, two fifty yeah. in his mind. But yeah. uh, he plays hard. He plays tough, and he understands the skill set. And he does a good job with the ball in his hands. He sure does. A couple other backs uh, we haven't seen much of, or may not see this year. But I wanted to get some thoughts on you. You have a, a young man from Louisiana, AJ Carter, that has the potential to be a good power back. He's a good two hundred and thirty pounder. Without a question, we knew that we had to identify bigger backs to bring in. So um, we found AJ Carter. He's a he's a really good young running back. He's learning. He's going through the transition of learning as a freshman, and we want to give him that opportunity to learn so he can put him in a position to be successful. Um, with the new rules of having being able to play kids four games before we redshirt, so we're going to make sure we do the best thing for our program, the best thing for AJ Carter. But we will see some more of AJ Carter this year. John, as a point of clarity, that that four game that's a big deal now, uh, mm-hmm. an added game. Is that the first four games only, or is it any four games that you can play a kid? To my understanding, it's any four games. So we're we're going to the NFL philosophy. The guys that practice well will will be active, and if you don't have a good practice and you don't take care of your business off the field, then you're inactive for what, that week. What a great way to motivate players, huh? As it was a great idea by Coach Aaron. No, no question. You have, uh, we talked about Eno Benjamin being a Texas guy. How about uh, 
Uh, Brock Sturgis, he was from uh, Allen, Texas. We've seen a lot of Allen High School players here in recent years, most notably linebacker Christian Sam, and now mm-hmm. Brock Sturgis. It looks like he's probably going to redshirt this year, or yeah. is, is that the plan? Brock Sturgis is another young kid um, that if we have the opportunity to redshirt and allow them to develop off the field, um, to give them that chance to be successful in class and learn the expectation of managing themselves off the field and on the field. Sometimes that can be difficult with the transition for a freshman. So uh, both of those kids want to make sure that they're they're in a position to be successful in the future here at Arizona State. Another young man who's in the running back group uh, was a former high school star here and a, a great track guy, Paul Lucas, mm-hmm. and he's made some big plays on special teams mm-hmm. so far. Paul Lucas has came over to the room, and he's been a great addition with a positive attitude, with a smile. He's brought the right energy to the room. He's he's growing. Uh, we're getting him oiled up as well. Um, obviously, he has to learn the plays and the scheme because he just came over a week and a half ago. Um, but as he continue to grow, as he continue to process uh, what we're doing offensively, you'll you'll have a chance to see a, a little bit of uh, Lucas as well. What has been your take, John, on the way practices have gone this week? We talked to Coach about it uh, relative to bouncing back off that San Diego State loss. Well, well, the guys have responded well. You know, obviously we were all disappointed. You know, going into Tuesday practice, you try to put it behind you, but you, you still, when you care so much about this game mm-hmm. and you're, you're so focused and you want to win so bad, you're still a little disappointed. So you can feel that with the guys as they came out, but quickly they put it behind them once the whistle blew and we started to practice and the focus became uh, quickly transitioned over to Washington. Now, thinking of Washington, what are your reflections on that game last year? That was a brilliant defensive performance by the Sun Devils a year ago when they took down the then unbeaten and fifth-ranked Huskies 13-7. to Yeah, it was a great game. You know, it was a, it was a well played game on both sides of the ball and special teams and it's going to be the same thing other than we have to be go on the road you know mm-hmm. we're going to have to have that same performance out of our defense same performance out of our offense and special teams and if, if we play well collectively we feel like we can come out of this successful how does uh, washington's defensive front look to you vis-a-vis those of michigan state and san diego state two very good run defenses that you've already seen well the difference with uh with those three teams obviously i would think they're closer to michigan state as it relates to talent as it relates to size and um, schematically of what they do Um, what makes san diego state so special is that they they do a lot of things defensively that you don't see for weeks and weeks you know in college football you only have two days to Mm -hmm. really prepare so it's hard for you to prepare for all the looks that you're going to get from a san diego state and that's, that's the key to their defense, and that's the, one of the advantages that they have. It's almost like going up against a team that runs a triple option or wishbone offense, exactly. isn't it? Exactly. Great, great analogy. Because you have like two days to prepare for something uh, that you know you see once and then you'll never see again. Exactly. Right? And, again, we're dealing with 18-, 19-year-olds, so sometimes they're not as dialed in as we are on some of the, um, some of the things that they're going to see. Now, I mentioned some of the highlights uh, on John's resume, but uh, he has a very uh, varied resume. Um, you, you've been uh, not only an NFL back, as we mentioned, with the Titans and the Redskins, and uh, but a motivational speaker as well. Talk about that. Uh, it's just a passion of mine. I just want to point to kids. Um, I'm still motivating my kids every day in the meeting room before practice, after practice, um, throughout their lives. I think that's what we all are here as coaches. You know, coaches is part of what we do. It's not everything that we do. Right. But the big part of what we do is we motivate people. We motivate each other as coaches, and we motivate kids. And we try to 
put them in a position to to try not to make some of the mistakes that we've made in the past and hopefully give them a chance to be successful in the future. Now, a big part of what you have done as well is at the high school level, you were a position coach, a head coach, and a one-time athletic director at Roosevelt High School in the city of Dallas, Texas. Uh, How have those experiences at the prep level influenced you as a college coach? So you know that's the great John Jefferson played at Roosevelt High School. There you go. One of the all-time great Sun Devils. All you have to say around these parts is the catch. The catch, And everybody knows uh, what is involved with that. The late Dwight Clark, some people think he had the catch. Right. We, we think John Jefferson Without had a question. the first catch. Without but, a uh, boy, that what a great background that was for you, huh? Yeah, it was. Um, those experiences at the high school level, um, all of those titles, it would push me to get into college football because I was working a lot of hours and I wasn't able to spend as much time with my family and my kids. And uh, my family and my kids are important to me. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be able to do that. And my passion for the game and my passion to spend time with my family, I felt like this was a – perfect opportunity for me but again it's the same you just have an opportunity to pour into kids as a college as a high school football coach who have been some of your coaching influences i'm just interested uh, in the two years you played in my hometown of washington dc with the redskins you played one year for the old ball coach steve spurrier that's right and then in the next uh, year you played for a man who's one of my coaching idols of all time the great hall of famer joe gibbs that's right um two different guys obviously i can give you stories for days on I'll spurrier bet. But some of the most influential uh, coaches for me was Todd Monken, um, who I coached for at Southern Miss, who's the offensive coordinator at Tampa Bay right now. He was my position coach in college, and uh, he poured into me. And when he got his first job, he had an opportunity to hire me, and he hired me. Um, so always um, owed a lot to that guy for who he was and what he did. And then uh, uh, Pete Carmichael. Pete Carmichael is the offensive coordinator with the New Orleans Saints. He was my he was one of our coaches as well and on the high school level. I'm sorry, on the collegiate level at Louisiana Tech. So I've been fortunate and blessed that I've been around a lot of great ball coaches and had a chance to learn a lot of ball. Absolutely. And before we let you go, i got to mention your lovely families here, your sons, uh, John and James, are here. And I think John, he wants to do what I do. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, that's, that's one of his goals. He wants to play ball, and obviously he wants to go into broadcasting. Anything we can do to help him, we're here to help. I appreciate that. For absolute sure. But, John, great to have you on the show. Best of luck to you and the team this coming Saturday. Always a pleasure to be here. Coach John Simon joining us here on the Coach's Show, the All Aboard Show with Coach Herm Edwards. For the world's most refreshing beer, 21 means 21. Celebrate responsibly with Coors Light, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Herm Edwards will rejoin me to preview this game against Washington this Saturday. It's coming up in a moment as All Aboard, presented by Coors Light, rolls on from the Lodge in Tempe here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. The fourth quarter is next on All Aboard with Sun Devil head football coach Herm Edwards. Folks, visit the Lodge Sasquatch Kitchen on First and Farmer in Tempe every Thursday night during the ASU football season for All Aboard with Coach Herm and stay afterward for great food and a nice cold beverage. That's what I plan to do on this Thursday night as we welcome you back to All Aboard presented by Coors Light for the world's most refreshing beer, 21 Means 21. Celebrate responsibly with Coors Light, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Tim Healy. Glad you joined us tonight. Coach Herm Edwards is back with us now as we take a further look at Saturday's opponent, the Washington Huskies. You talked about it briefly at the beginning of the show, Herm. In what ways do you think Chris Peterson has left his imprint? Uh, This is an amazing statistic. This is his 13th year as a head coach. Only four coaches in the history of college football have ever reached 100 career wins 
faster than Chris Peterson. It only took him 117 games to get to 100 wins. Yeah, he's done a fabulous job. Started at Boise State. That's one I recollect. And um, spoke to his team in a bowl game down in Vegas when he was wow. the head coach. Uh, spoke to both teams. I'm, I'm not quite sure who they were playing, but they were in Las Vegas playing in a bowl game. That's when I first met Coach. And, um, you know, he understands how to build a program. And it was interesting, up at uh, Sacramento State, there was a um, they had a camp, and, and a lot of the, the Pac-12 schools were invited. And I know I, I went over there, our staff went, mm-hmm. and visited with him for a couple hours up there. And um, uh, t- tremendous college football coach. Uh, has established himself as one of the better coaches and did a fabulous job at Boise, and then, and then now he's at Washington. And, and it took him a, you know, took him a couple years to, 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 yeah. to, to find his DNA and, mm-hmm. and obviously uh, get the – players in place and, and so he's done a nice job of that in this third year they just took off and made the college football playoff in 2016 and some people think they have a chance to get there again this year what's your take on their quarterback jake browning uh, veteran has a lot of presence about himself um has played in a lot of big games and i think that's always good for quarterbacks when they play in big moments big games um their temperature is very calm and i think the more you play in those I think it's good for your teams to feel that mm-hmm. uh, of, of a big, a big game, and, and I just think they have a standard of how they want to play. Um, as I said, they'll throw the ball down the field. They've, they've had some receivers that can run, and they'll vertically challenge you at times. Um, but they're going to pound the football some. Um, they do a nice job of balance to their offense. So. Uh, He's got a nice system there. And they pound the ball with one of the best running backs, not only in Washington, but Pac-12 history. In fact, Miles Gaskin, their senior running back, has a chance this year to become the first running back in the history of this conference to have 4,000-yard seasons. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a really good player. Has balance and power. Uh, reminds me a lot of Eno. I mean, they use him a lot. I mean, they use him in, in the pass schemes. Um, but he can bounce off tackles. You know, he's he, he's a contact runner. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, some guys go down on, on the first hit. He continues to find ways to to make yards, and and that's always uh, the sign of a good running back. We can talk about the opponent all we want, but uh, you and I were chatting at your practice today, and you made a great point. At this stage and in building a program, you're trying to develop a certain mentality and mindset with your kids, aren't you? Yeah, you do, and and that's what it takes, and that's the foundation of what you're going to continue to build it on. And uh, everyone knows we're playing young guys, and we have to because that's that's what the program is all about right now is building the nucleus of players along with winning games. I mean, that's important. You know, you, you want to feel success. You want to feel what it feels like. That's always good. And uh, that, that helps you. You know, it, it helps you going forward. It helps you in the recruiting process of it. And so all that's part of it. And it's it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, isn't it? it? It's always about the journey in life. That when you don't settle for destinations, you just continue to travel. You you hit one destination spot, and there's another journey after that. And life is about a journey, and then how you deal with the ups and downs of it. Because life is a series of destinations. When <laughs> exactly when you look right. at it, that is for sure. Well, it's going to be a heck of a ball game this coming Saturday night, and our Sun Devil Radio Network coverage of uh, Saturday's ASU Washington game from Seattle will start at five thirty on ESPN Radio 620 AM with the Sun Devil Tailgate Show, hosted by our good buddy Jeff Munn and Jordan Simone, former Sun Devil defensive back, who comes from the Seattle area, by the way. Yep, indeed, he is uh, from the area. There you go. Sammamish, uh, Washington. Money and I will then 
take you through the countdown to kickoff show at 6.30. And then Jeff Van Rapphorst and Jordan Simone will join me for the play-by-play broadcast starting at 7.35. We hope you'll make plans to join us. Thanks to our great hosts at the Lodge Sasquatch Kitchen for welcoming us in tonight. Thanks to our fantastic engineer-producer, Sean Crespin, our terrific studio coordinator, Cody Fincher. Cody pays me good money to say that. And thanks well to uh, ASU Senior Associate Athletic Director for Football, Tim Cassidy, for his help. Herm, great to see you. Good luck this Saturday. Well, thank you, and, and, and it's great to see the fans. Uh, they, 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 they've been here every Thursday. We've got a tremendous fan base here at the Arizona State, and we've got a bunch of great people that come to this uh, uh, restaurant uh, every Thursday night to support us. They fantastic. sure do. We'll see you next week. Till then, for Coach Herm Edwards, I'm Tim Healy. So long, everybody. You've been listening to All Aboard with Sun Devil football coach Herm Edwards. All Aboard is presented by Coors Light and airs live from the Lodge Sasquatch Kitchen in Tempe. Arizona State football is an exclusive presentation of the Sun Devil Radio Network, presented by Mid First Bank.